I know what it's like to feel invisible, to think it's too late to become what you've always wanted to be. You feel like it's too late to have more life. I felt that way too, but when I lost my brother to cancer, he made me realize I have way more life to live. And I discovered the choice was mine to live it or not. I know you want to become confident and empowered, and you deserve to step into that life you are yearning for. I'm Carrie V, and I get it. There is more greatness to come in your life, and I know you can feel it. I've made a choice to live my big life. Now it is your turn to be empowered and step into the life that has always been yours. It's time for you to step off the sidelines and into your own life, the one you were created to live. It's easier than you think. I believe in you. In fact, I am your biggest fan. So let's get started. We end every episode of Coffee and Tea with Carrie V with a journal prompt or a writing prompt. Same thing. Why do we do that? Why am I always talking about journaling? And why do we end every episode with a journal slash writing prompt? I'm glad you asked. Journaling has been known to reduce stress, manage depression and anxiety, prioritize your fears and concerns, gives you an opportunity to recognize triggers, allows a space for positive encouragement and positive self-talk. The act of writing itself has been shown to improve blood pressure levels and improve your mood and increase those feel-good hormones, those, those feelings of well-being, with the functioning of the immune system and improving memory. Those are some pretty awesome benefits simply from taking time in your day to write. Your thoughts, your dreams, your goals. I believe in the benefits of journaling so much that I created a document for you, 30 Days of Journal Prompts. If you head to the link in the show notes, this is a free resource for you so that you can start your journaling journey with me. 30 Days of Journaling with Carrie V. Head to the link in the show notes and grab your copy today. Hanging out with us today on Coffee and Tea with Carrie V is Chesleen Pierre-Paul. Cheslin and I met when we did an online course together, and this woman stole my heart. She is a transformation coach who works with individuals who seek to learn or relearn their lost native language so that they can reclaim their lost biological ancestry. She helps you find your place of ultimate belonging in the you that formalizes itself into a resting tangibility and defining realness. She is amazingly deep, amazingly compassionate, and amazingly amazing. Chesleen is going to pour into you, have your notebook ready, have your pen ready. She will not disappoint. Chesleen, welcome to Coffee and Tea with Carrie V. And everyone watching on Facebook got to see us just going, oh, I think we're here right now. (laughs) But I'm so happy to have you here. So happy to have you just bestowing the blessings of who you are on all of us. Tell us about who you are and like, what's on your heart today? What makes Cheslene tick? Mm. Well, thank you for having me, honestly. And I was thinking to myself, what a beautiful question to ask, you know, who you are. Um, And 
uh, I would say this one in my life. Um, I don't know. I, I just embrace all my different identities and I've created this place of belonging for them. You know, when I look at what I get to do uh, in transformation coaching and social impact consulting, in many regards, like there are no clear delineations in my spirit between my life's work and then who I am as a being. Yes, I love and, that. And, you know, it took me a minute to get there because originally, you know, we're kind of forged like we need um, by society to have targeted aspirations that oftentimes are not aligned with our truest nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. I have a job and to me it's like the job is the canvas and container of who I have to project to be received professionally, but it wasn't why I was fully. And so I had to go through different, you know, cycles of life experiences to land in a place where now I don't have to pick and choose between one or the other. Yeah. And I get to bring like the fullness of me and all my iterations of self through the work that I do. And I wanted to have something that was just this container for me and not a performance act of professionalism. So for me, what I do is a lot of what I am and vice versa. Uh, So when I look at my transformation coaching, it's been my journey into the self, learning my own native Afro-Indigenous language um, and, you know, basically building a life around everything I was most afraid of because it made me my most vulnerable, but then understanding that that very element of resistance and vulnerability made me my most powerful today, right? So it's kind of going full circle, being afraid of being seen and speaking in public, turn into the gift of communication and me bringing healing to different stages and spaces and peoples, you know, but it yes. of I was looked down because I was extremely nonconformative and then being met with the resistance of others who wanted me to perform humanity in a way that they recognized. So they yes. felt comfortable, but it was so disingenuous for me. So it came from a place, everything I was told I shouldn't be and couldn't be is exactly what allows me to create a life today that allows me to be, right? So it's like who I am is a lot of what I do. Yeah. And it wasn't the case before. So for me to know that to be true is a big statement about me going full circle from, yes. from that place. Yeah. That's beautiful. I'm, I don't think there are many people who can say that who they are and what they bring to the table is, is in alignment with each other. Most people, this isn't a judgment because this was my life for a long time, right? Get up and go to work and do something that's totally outside of who I am and who I want to be. I think that's many, many of us. And it, it struck me. I, I take notes while my guests are talking because there are things that strike me and, and it, it strikes me as like, I can't believe that you had a fear of speaking in public. Now looking at you, how, how did we go from the Cheslin who was afraid to speak in public to the Cheslin who has her, has her face plastered all over everything and is loving being on podcasts and speaking out and being on stages? How did that happen? Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny when we look at it, but I feel it's like the blind spots of insecurity. Like the way we look at ourselves, it's, it's a refraction, a refractive lens. So it's like when, you know, light goes through a prism and it gets dispersed. And I feel that originally I didn't fully see the totality of myself and I was afraid to be seen even by me. Mm. And so 
you know, my gifts were the things I had, I harbored most resistance towards. Mm-hmm. It was this little whisper or a war or it came in different forms. But it was the thing that was telling me like something is missing and only wait for that element that is missing to be, you know, um, I don't know, unlocked or repowered. It demands for me to step out of alignment with the trajectory I'm in. And that was the scary part for me because it's easy not to be yourself in the wrong places. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was. It's like knowing there was more, but being afraid to dare because it was an act of daring when you're in a very conformist environment and you are the anomaly in more than one ways. Yeah. I became really great at knowing how to silence myself preemptively because I knew the silencing was coming. But, you know, the parts of me I wanted to express were the parts that became so organically to me. And so it's funny how the things we are made to be and to do are the things that we're conditioned to resist most. And so, you know, the journey of that was creating basically spaces where I could get to explore and it wasn't like judgment was suspended and it was just about inquiry and there was no witnesses to that or else I couldn't have gone through with it. And also looking at every time I've denied my intuition, something occurred to remind me why it existed in the first place. Like this is why you shouldn't have gone to that job interview, why you knew you didn't want to get into that relationship and you did it. And then when you look at all of it adding up, then there's something to be said about what if I reverse engineer my mode of operation and allow for my intuition to be more dominant than it's been thus far. And then it's interesting how there's kind of this, now I'm in my flow effortlessness, like I make beautiful connections like you, Carrie, and it's not something that was calculated, but it was aligned. Yeah. And I just allowed myself to, to be, you know, it's like effortless conversations where everything that is on your mind to say is said, and there's not much that is withheld. Yes. And that's how you know you were supposed to be there because everything that you carry in your spirit is everything the space demands to be complete. Whereas before, when I wanted, I had something to say and it wasn't appreciated for its fullness, it meant maybe those aren't your people Mm -hmm. rather than you are the anomaly here, right? And so it goes to show that just having that introspection of historically, my intuition has been very consistent with itself, but I haven't been consistent with my intuition. There's always a hindsight, a hindsight of, wow, okay, I I knew it and yet, you know? Um, so I guess it's creating more of that space. And then, you know, Liz Anikosha says um, energy grows where energy goes. And so like the more you create that and then the more it becomes like a self-fulfilling reality of my intuition, you know, as an extension of my intelligence, yeah. it's just not fathomable to me in the moment, but it is intelligence in the making. And it's about extirpating from myself and my depths, the depth of me that I didn't know I had. Mm-hmm. So why do you want to paint or create or sing or do whatever? I don't understand why I wanted to do that. But when I did it, it opened something up for me in terms of new relationships, new projects, new avenues. And also an understanding that the path I was on was not necessarily my own to stay on. It was okay for me to be there, as you said, in those jobs. But then there comes a time where you have capped your self-awareness in that space. And if you stay now, you're going to work against your own purpose. Hmm. So I had those satellite spaces where I got to explore and I would go back to, you know, a sense of conformity. And yeah. that 
more I was in those spaces, the more they grew. And at some point I had more, you know, I was like 50% in conformity space and 50% in my own space of belonging and unfolding. And at some point it's just like the law of attraction, you know, and energy, it just grew more and it became a natural transition and a necessary transition from, you know what, I'm not going to sing that job anymore because I also developed a sense of self outside of conformity. I knew it was when my nine to five ended. I knew I was, but there was a time when I couldn't say that out loud and for it to have been true. So it's like, start with curiosity, intuition, and then allowing yourself to suspend your own judgments and just to, you know, start with that and see what it goes. And it it evolves and then you change and you're challenged and disrupted. And when you go back to the opposite of that, it's also, okay, now I need to gauge things or I have a new gaze for the same part of my reality. Yeah. Okay. So, which all makes sense. And I, and I totally agree. You know, I'm a hundred percent on board with you. Tell us though, how we have the confidence to Mm. claim that because we can know, I mean, I sat at my corporate job for a long time, knowing I did not belong behind that desk Mm -hmm. and I didn't have the confidence to step out and walk out. How do we get there? Because it's easy to say the words. Oh yeah, for sure. How do do we get that, Cheslene? Walk us through. I mean, I know we can't like (laughs) wave a magic wand, but there are steps. There are things. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like for me, there was, um, Something Liz Gilbert said, and I'm going to reframe it because it's been a while, but it's this thing for me that there was so much hurt and pain associated by not being me because I was being like conformist. Like the cost of being me was less than not being me at that point. It's like when you push to the edge of what you can sustain in a space that doesn't affirm you. So I was there and, you know, for me, it looked like depression. You know, I don't want to wake up to go to bed. I, I don't have the energy to exist. Like existence yes. is an all-consuming state of exertion that I don't have the capacity to entertain anymore. So for me, it's like when you reach that element of been there, done that, and I could look down the path and see I, like a life that was just fear-inducing and it was just dread and I could feel like me being more depleted, yeah. you know? And it came to a point also for me of self-analysis, when I look at all the fears that I had, like yeah. Pinchabu said, she would talk about it. You make a list. And I realized that most of those fears are in mind to start with. Like those are fears that my parents have passed on to me or friends or family or society. And when you look at that list, there are only maybe one or two things that you're truly afraid of, but there are not that many. When you look at yourself outside of your mm-hmm. relationships and I look at all that weight that you carry and do I want to live a life indebted to somebody else's fear-induced vision? Because I look at all my actions, they were really rationalized and, you know, they made sense on paper, but I look at whose life is this? It's not my own. So it was part, I'm so tired. I don't have energy. I can't do this anymore. I've come to the edge of my own capacity to to be so small and so fractured and so depleted and also looking at what I'm truly afraid of is not what I'm, I'm facing right now. I'm contending with other people's fears, but not my own. 
Mm. I'm, I'm carrying the weight of somebody else's, you know, vision and limitation. And yeah. when you've released those fears and you look at what's the picture there, what do you want? Um, then it's about, for me, then going back to, I'm going to be tactical. I'm not going to quit a job and I have nothing. Um, but what I'm going to do is look at what's the next best thing I can do that's still tethered to what is normal to me today, but is going to help me make that normal very obsolete. Yeah. So physically, literally, I was working in this office and a new installation came in and they own up the space on the ground floor level. And they, they're called the fourth space. And I would pass by every day. And something drew me there. It's like, what are they doing? And it would be this transdisciplinary hub and it will host keynoters to have incredible projects. And again, it's that voice. And it's still part of my office building. And so it's just, at some point I step by, I ask a few questions, how does this work? And then after that, I was getting coached by my creativity coach at the time, Judge Pace. And then I muster up my courage. I created a mini pitch. I pitched them. First time around, they said no, because I was so not confident because I didn't believe in myself. Mm-hmm. But then it gave me also the fire to go, no, 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 no. I'm not going to take no. Like this is meant to happen. I feel something in my spirit. And I changed like the way that I wrote. And I didn't allow fear to dictate my wording as much as my spirit. So it's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk out loud like I would to my chosen sister or soul sister. And I wrote it out and they said, yes, the second time around. And so I was, you know, creating that space where I get to explore who I am when I'm only indebted to my fears and also to my dreams, yeah. not somebody else's. And it started like that. And then from that good, I got connected to somebody else. We created a project, but I was still working full-time, studying full-time in that building. And so I started having two lives, one that helped me understand what needed to happen next. And the one that allowed me to have something secure so that I could afford the price of my vision for after. Mm -hmm. And it started off like this, you know, it's taking the next micro action that doesn't compromise the state of stability I may have, but allows me to dream more tangibly than I've ever had before. So it's like one step at a time and also people, like the people who would be there. I say like a dream is a fragile thing and not everybody's entitled to it. Because then they will become dream crushers. And when your vision is so tentative, if somebody else is there and whispers like death into it, it's going to translate back to you. So it's having people who can see you more clearly than you can see yourself. And, And it's through, you know, conversations like that, they will reflect back to me something about myself that I had shared. And I had only allowed myself to look at it through the prism of limitation. And it would reframe it around something that was actually a possibility. And that became also an exchange of healing and energies. And through them, it's also a challenge, my understanding of self. Like, why do I need to use certain vocabulary to define me? And the way that I'm seen by them and through them is the antithesis of my own statement about who I am. Like, you know, it started with micro action, your people and your community can be one person. Like, you don't need a bunch of stuff. And then it just, you build a momentum into that as well. That's like one micro action at the time. The next best thing that is committed to your dream and not to the state of what is for you. And then a few chorus of voices that see more clearly than you can see yourself. Mm-hmm. And then that momentum builds it to an energy. And then you can look at your life 
energy shifting as well in your life's architecture shifting from where you are today and your tomorrows are much more attuned with where you're located in your own journey. Wow. So all of that, (laughs) but I take so many notes when I hear you talk. Oh my gosh. But the, I love this term micro action. And the, the reason that it, I think one of the reasons that it hit me so hard is that when I first started off on my own in network marketing, I heard over and over again, take massive action, take massive action, take massive action. And I would sit back, number one, not knowing what I was supposed to do for massive action. And number two, knowing that I was still going out into a corporate workforce Uh that took the bulk of my day. So massive action seemed like, why try? Yeah, yeah. But this micro action, one thing, one step that's doable. Exactly. And, and that's the whole point, isn't it? Because as you said, too much too soon, and then you burn and you crash, and then you regress past to the reality you want to escape or transcend. Yes. But microaction, it's a very affordable currency wherever you are. You know, so, uh, and an example of it for me, and it sounds silly at times, but I remember when I was working at that previous, you know, institutional office, I would take my, you know, when I would have a bio break, and I would go like to the restroom, I would bring my little flashcards with my vocabulary words in Italian. So every time in my mind, I'm going to the restroom, I associated with one of my languages that I was, you know, I wanted to commit to more fiercely and it became a reflex. So every time I'm going <laughs> break, it's like, first thing I do, I pivot and I look for my notes and I'm out. And it's, you know, it was the simplest of things. It brought me joy, consistency. It grounded me and it reinforced the alignment I sought. And it also carried fruits in many other areas of my life, you know? So it starts with the one thing. Um, mm. But as you said, smaller because we can afford it. It's sustainable, it's doable. And then it becomes, when it's consolidated, it's a building block. And then you add the next layer of micro action. And it makes sense because it's the next best strategic action for you to do where you are today, as mm-hmm. opposed to a massive action, as you said, our mind cannot comprehend the transitioning between where we are and that reality. So it's too, you know, fuzzy and yeah. it's, it's not tangible. We can't wrap our, our head around it. So like the macro action part to me is, it's key. Yeah. yeah. And those little micro action steps become massive action. That's it. Yeah. Because you keep putting those pieces in and then so going to the consistency of grabbing those cards before you went on your bio break and that became second nature, right? Yeah. Right. And then you said that that translated into other areas of your life. Talk to us about that, if you would. Sure. I mean, for instance, um, you know, when I, I was selling myself, like going back into the pit of I'm depressed, yeah. the next my correction for me was connecting with, you know, Josh Pace, who's a creativity coach. And I signed up for his services and he takes only a, you know, really limited amount of um, invites and whatnot. I got into his program. So that was one my fraction. I did just an email. And then the next thing was I created a ritual for me in the morning in the office so that I would have a reason to look forward to being physically located in my place of employment. Uh-huh. And I would have my music. I had a playlist. I would play in the morning. I would turn off all the lights and I'll have my dance party. Um, and I was so happy, you know, so I did little things like that. And I turned on the lights because I didn't want anybody else on the floor to know I was there. 
um, because then it will come, you know, barging in, asking yeah. questions, it would take me outside of my space. Um, and so just little rituals for yourself. I would keep the lines, uh, the lights very like, um, like dim lit because I love, for me, it was just my energies in the morning. I wanted yeah. to feel warmth and um, I wanted to feel nurtured. And so for me, having less light was, you know, conducive to that. Yeah. Um, and then I would have a whiteboard and I would do my vocabulary list and my languages. So I would have Italian on one side. I would have Haitian curl, I would have Spanish. And those were all things that was doing for me. And it didn't make sense in regards to what I was doing on paper, but it made sense in terms of who I am as yes. a being that can be contained within a category of existence or functioning. So I was asking myself basically what's an unnecessary amount of beauty I can wake up to in my day and how can I have blocks of unnecessary beauty that are integrated smoothly. So in my mornings, on my break, and then after work as well, and also this idea of proximity. So what's the thing that I can leverage in my surroundings that I can force to be, you know, um, part of my, of my headspace of, just peace and restoration yeah. and unnecessary beauty. And that was it, you know, doing my list. And those are things that don't make sense. I was yeah. so happy and I was embodying that state. So then I'm ready to turn on the lights, open the office and people come in, but I'm already, I'm already present for myself first. Mm-hmm. And then what needs to be done will get done. But also from that state of my, my spirit associated with presence like now I can receive you because I received me first. And those were things that were free. I didn't do anything fancy or special, you know, and then it compounds itself into more. Yeah. Uh, but I will have like my playlist when I'm commuting, my best podcast. Then I go in my office, I do my dance party um, <laughs> and I have my, my languages, you know, and I would go to a coffee place, the Italian coffee place, Parma Cafe. And I will go there and get my uh, cafe corretto with some adult drink, as I call it, in the morning. But anything <laughs> that made me happy that didn't have to make sense, yeah, that's what I'm going to prioritize, you know? Oh, that is, that's beautiful. And I think many of us don't quite understand. We hear this, we'll read a book or we hear someone speak about a morning routine and we get caught up in the elements of exactly. the routine Mm-hmm. that maybe don't quite match me, or maybe I don't have an hour, I have 10 minutes. Yeah. And, and it's like, oh, I guess I can't have that. And it's, it's not the elements, it's your routine, creating yeah. your space. Exactly. And I was um, remembering uh, Seth, Seth Godin, who talked about it, he didn't disclose what the content of his routine was just because he didn't want people to get distracted but yes, yeah. that the specificity of elements, ultimately each routine ought to be different because we're not the same spirit living in the same bodies. Ah. And so it's all about what brings you joy that makes no sense rationally, that amounts to unnecessary beauty. Um, and that's it. And it's not supposed to look the same. You know, for me, I'm all about languages. Mm-hmm. And somebody else would be maybe about more physical activity or movement practices, embodiment or food you know, it doesn't matter what it is or drawing. So those are the things that you piece together on a micro scale. So I start with the one thing and then I develop a full on routine. And for me, I would wake up earlier than to go in my office because then I would have one or two hours to myself in that space. And then I don't have to run anywhere because I'm already arrived. 
And I have to do is walk up the distance between my desk and the door and now people can come in. But I started very, very, very small. And as we were saying, we, we don't, we need not to glorify, you know, I don't know, to glorify the specifics of it. What yeah. matters is it needs to be about you. What brings you joy? Do you know yes. what activates joy and flamboyance and healing and restoration in you? Most people don't do that work, but they want to jump into, okay, that person is doing X, Y, Z. Yes. That doesn't make sense to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I, I love that. It took me a while to bring it down to what I loved. Mm-hmm. And it's being on my front porch in the morning. First thing, before I move my body, before I do anything, it's grabbing some cacao, no sugar, not unsweetened. I've tried it every way, but it's just that hot water, melting it down and going outside with this very bitter hot drink, no matter what the temperature is, and sitting out there awakening my senses while the sun is coming up. It took me a long time because there was no book that told me to do that. I needed to figure that out for me. That's it. And as but, said, right? Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I know. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, for those of you listening, like, try it. You might love it. And you might say, mm, I like what Cheslene does. Or it might be, I don't like either one of those. I like this. And it, and it doesn't matter if there's any book in the world or podcast or anything that says, this is what you should be doing if it works for you to center yourself and really help you connect with who you are, then do it. Yeah. And do it. That's it. And I feel on some level it's as if we want to outsource the responsibility of knowing who we are. We want somebody to tell us who we mm-hmm. are. They can, insofar as there are guiding principles of how to activate that within yourself, but they can be a substitute for you knowing yourself. Yes. So for me, and it's when you don't have that self-knowledge, then of course, creating the routine doesn't make sense. Yes. You know, you need to look at yourself and do that self-questioning piece of consistently across the board. What are the, what is, you know, the one thing I do that brings me, that brings a smile to my face, even when I'm in the wreckage of my own devastation. Yes. And that's the most consistent thing in your life. And it's going to look different and also there's a season in your life when maybe your ritual would be amended as well it doesn't be a static thing Uh, and for me there's a lot of food involved in that so and I love going to a restaurant or a place and discern because I feel pampered but I didn't know wow that's that's why I was doing it I thought I was just well I just love spending money well that's not what this was (laughs) I love being in a space where I don't know there's a ritualistic element of socialization embedded in food and to have somebody else provide care to myself through that medium is something Mm. that really brings warmth to, to my soul. But I didn't know all the ramifications of it, but I know, okay, well, I'm going to do this in the morning and to have, you know, same as you like a a drink. And I would always sit next to the window that was um, facing the streets and I will have the natural light pouring in one moment in the morning and part of my cafe, I was always there, you know, for a while it was uh, patronizing the, the space apparently but, you know, those are just tiny elements. And then yes. the part of my life, it was waking up and first thing in the morning, I'm in the pool and I would do my laps. But it's a different time and a different context and season. Yes. But it's still the same element of ritualizing, you know, happiness as the energy that conditions how my day starts. Yes. 
That's so beautiful. I could, I can't believe we're at almost 30 minutes here. (laughs) How on earth does that happen? So for those of you listening, Chislene came and spoke to my group coaching ladies, Confidence and Clarity Collective, and they are still talking about that call and how amazing it was watching the replay. And you can understand why after hearing this amazing woman speak, because everything that comes out of your mouth, Cheslene, is gold. <laughs> it's like, have a big notebook. <laughs> and we will, if you would be willing, we will have you back because I know there's so, I mean, there's just so much more we could go into. But before we let you go, which I'm doing like, very like, I don't want to let you go, but I know I need to for this time. Tell us if you would, your version of your pow pow shoes and a journal prompt and where we can find you and connect with you on a deeper level. Yeah. In terms of like my pow pow shoes, I would say it's making positive disruption healing. Mm. So it's, the idea of everything that you're not supposed to do or be is everything that would set you free. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. See, I told you, have a big, big notebook and a pen with a lot of ink. (laughs) And a journal prompt for those of us who love to journal, a writing prompt that, that we could springboard off of. I would say if the most inevitable force of your life were your dreams, then what would happen to your reality and to yourself? So if the mm. one thing you could not, you know, rescind or negotiate or deprioritize were your dreams, if that were the ultimate source of your reality, who would you be? And how would you live? Love that. See, that's so, that's so deep. That's like not a one sentence answer. <laughs> <laughs> where can we find you? I know everybody's going to be like, okay, where? How do we get more Tisleen in our life? I would say the best place always is on Instagram. So um, my my handle there is um, Cheslin PP. So C-H-E-S-L-I-N-A-P-P. Um, and also you can check out updates on my website too. It's cheslin.com. So C-H-E-S-L-I-N-E.com. So those are the main places. Yeah. Got it. And I will link all of that in the show notes. So very easy. Just go click on the link, follow Shaleen on Instagram, head to our website. You won't be disappointed. She is an amazing person. And in the beginning of the podcast, we talked about how this was not a forced relationship. It was not, we didn't go looking for someone to connect with. It happened very organically, very beautifully. And I could not be more thankful that I have met you. Likewise. And Thank that's you. it. As you said, it's so organic and it makes sense. And it's like unquestionable. Yes. Yes. So Ms. Cheslene, and will you pronounce your last name for us? Cause you know, I'm not even going to try. Go for it. <laughs> so Pierre-Paul, Cheslene Pierre-Paul. They, yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. I'll practice it for next time. <laughs> we will have lessons. We'll have lessons on how to say your name. Cause you, when you say it, it just like, <gasps> Oh gosh, that's beautiful. (laughs) So thank you. I can't wait to have you back. You are a blessing and a joy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Looking forward to next time. Me too. 
Hey, thanks for listening in. I want you to know I do not take it for granted that you give me this time to have coffee and tea together with me. But before you go, it would mean the world to me if you grab a quick coffee or tea refill and pop into the podcast reviews and leave me a review. It's how this podcast grows. It's how it reaches and empowers more women. And it's how I know how to serve you best. I want this podcast to be what you need. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and share it with your friends. And follow me on Instagram at I am Carrie V. Remember, it is never too late. Peace out, girlfriend. Pow, pow.